Good morning. Hey, and happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Um, how many of you actually are fathers? I'm curious about this. This, this is interesting to me because like when we first started coming here, my wife Cindy and I first started coming here, uh, it was right as the churches merged, when it was when redemption, when we created Redemption Church. And we got here and this was a college campus. There was, everyone was, was so young. We were the only old people around here. And so we thought, this place needs more old people, so we decided to stay. And now, thank you. And now I, I looked around and there's like even people older than me in the room, which is exciting. But the other thing is, is you college students would change, because back then we didn't even need a nursery. And what it seems to have changed is like all you college students started flirting with one another and... Pretty soon you were dating, and then you got married, and now we're like raining babies here. There are like if you don't get to the nursery early, you're not getting in. Well, like I said, I am uh, a father also, and I wanted because I get to stand up here. I wanted to introduce you to my family, and that's that's a portrait of my wife Cindy and I, and all of our kids and their spouses. This was taken at my daughter, Veronica, we call her Ronnie, Ronnie's wedding. She's the one in the white dress. And um, uh, actually, all of those kids aren't really ours. Some of you know that, that the Lord has blessed us with some extra kids that weren't really born to us, but became ours after the fact. And uh, through a process I call informal adoption, my wife likes to say that they're, they're ours, pero sin papeles which if you don't speak Spanish at all, what that means is without papers. You know, they're, they're our illegal children, I guess. <laughs> but we couldn't love them anymore, even if they were born to us. So, um, let's, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to share this before, but I'm, uh, so I told my wife this. I, I was preparing for this, and I was, uh, more than any other time, I just really felt comfortable and prepared and and I went to bed last night, I went to bed early, slept great. I woke up this morning and I thought, I got nothing. <laughs> and I know that some of you dads are out there going, wait a second, I, I come to church, on, I could be on the golf course right now, but I go to church and this guy's got nothing. And, uh, and uh, I was kind of nervous about that, but fortunately, I was talking to the Lord and the Lord reminded me that it is actually... And it doesn't matter if it's me or anyone else that's up here. Anything of true value, of true meaning, is going to be taught to us by the Holy Spirit anyway. And so, can, will you pray with me right now, and let's ask him to, be, to take care of all of this. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that, that we have been redeemed, that you are reconciling the world to yourself, and that we get to be a part of that. We praise you that you love us, that you saved us, and that you guide and control us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you fill me and that you, your, your words come out of my mouth. I pray that, the, uh, that everyone here who's listening, that you will reach them, touch them, and change lives this morning. We praise you that you are a God who does that very thing, and we ask you to do that for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, let me tell you why... I'm here this morning, and it's because uh, it's Father's Day, and so I actually get to give a day off to the guys you normally see up here preaching. And so, like, if this is your first time here, don't go by me today. These guys are way better. 
And so come back another week. They got stuff. They got stuff. So, um, uh, but anyway, I'm getting to give them a day off. And so it's kind of nice of me, I think. But <laughs> as you know, if you're a regular here at Tempe Redemption, you know that God has blessed us with a group of young pastors who teach the word of God really, really well. And my role here at Tempe Redemption is, is I'm on the elder board. And, and I am a little bit different than the other elders because I'm the only one that's actually not, I do not work for the church. I have an insurance business and, and I work here on a voluntary basis. We're going to have another one of those elders that doesn't work here also coming up really soon. We're excited about that. But um, when I was asked to become an elder, years ago or to consider thinking about that. They said they wanted somebody, because everyone else at that time worked in the church, they wanted somebody who could bring an outside view, who, who could, uh, I like the way they said it, they wanted, someone, they wanted someone who was a member here who could bring a view from the pew, they said. I didn't make that up. Um, so, that's what, what I want to point out then, and I'm going to stress this, is that really I'm not one of these guys I'm really one of you guys. I'm a pew sitter. I mean, these guys are professionals. They do this for a living. These guys have all been to seminary, and they've got postgraduate degrees in, the, in things like missional theology. I have never been to seminary. I have a degree in biology. I went to Arizona State and I wasn't that good a student, actually, because I went to Arizona State for seven years, and nobody, and nobody calls me doctor. <laughs> so my point is that I really am one of you guys. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about what we hear here, what we're getting in Ephesians, and how this should affect our everyday walk-around life. So um, let's go ahead and... Let's go ahead and uh, we're going to. Uh, one thing I need to warn you about is, even though I've never been in the seminary, we're going to continue in our study of Ephesians. And at, in Ephesians, we've been hearing all this time is that God is reconciling the world to Himself, and all of that's really interesting. But what does that really have to do with? How is that relevant to those of us who sit out there? If if um, you were here last week, you heard. John Crawford preached a really good sermon on the passage just in front of this one, Ephesians 11 um, and uh, starting, well actually he was preaching earlier, but I, we're going to have to get a running start at our passage today, because our passage actually starts in the middle of a sentence. And so in order to get a frame of reference, we're going to back up and go look at some of the stuff that John talked about last week. So we're going to, let's start with Ephesians 4, and um, if you don't have a Bible, can you raise your hand and somebody will come up here and give you a copy of God's Word? And if you don't even own a Bible, hold, keep this one that we're handing out to you, that's our gift to you. But we're going to start reading in Ephesians chapter 4, a passage that John started on last time. And so Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, it says, And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, 
And John explained this really well last week. And But what this passage does, and it kind of shook me up when I first came to realize this, the passage, it differentiates the, the jobs between what these guys do, the professionals, and our job, those of us who sit in the seats. Uh, and so what you're saying there is that their job, their job, not you guys, their job is to equip we, the saints, for the work of ministry. Now, um, I want to take a little aside here because I grew up, when I grew up, I grew up in the Catholic faith, and, when, and I know some of you did also. And in the Catholic Church, when we talk about the saints, we're talking about people like the Apostle Paul, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the people that actually wrote the Bible, and then after that, people who God just gave some special assignment to that he used in a special way. But in this context, what he's talking about here, when Paul says the saints, he's actually talking about Christians. People, and by Christians I mean people who have come to understand that they are sinners, and that they are, as a result, separated from God, but who have repented of that sin and are now trusting Jesus and what Jesus did for them on the cross to make them right before God. That's all it is. And when, when we become Christians, it, 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 um, we are actually saints. We don't become saints, and this is the thing, we don't become saints because of what we do. We become saints because of what Jesus did. Okay, so if, if you look in the God's book of life, if you've come to Jesus in repentance and faith, your name is written there, and right next to it, it says saint. So, uh, but John used an illustration last week, that, and he says that these guys are kind of like coaches, and we, the players. And so they prepare us to play the game. So it says in here that um, we're... They're preparing us for the work of ministry. But what is the work of ministry? What is our responsibility when, if God's reconciling the world? Well, since Jesus paid the price for our sins, our message then is that reconciliation, that peace with God, that being right with God, is available to everybody because of what Jesus did. Now, our job now is to take that message out there. Where Now, wait, are you following my pointing now? Let me show you on there. When I'm saying here, I'm talking about the guys who normally preach here, the pastors and teachers. When I do that, I'm talking about those of us who normally sit in the pews. And when I'm talking about that, that's the world out there. Okay? <laughs> I want to make sure you're following all of this. Okay. Now, uh, our job then is to is to participate with God in this ministry of reconciliation to the people out there. So Paul was explaining this concept, this very same concept, to the people in Corinth, another church, in another place. And, and he's talking about the exact same thing. Because if we go to, we're, I want, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. And in there it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. So 
that's great news. He's reconciled us, those who are, who are already Christians, but he points out that in addition to that, he's given to us a ministry. A, uh, um, he's given to us a message of reconciliation. So, what is that? What is that message? So, fortunately, he tells us in the next part, in verse, starting in verse 19, he says, that is, that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, that's their sins, not counting that against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So our message is that forgiveness is available. That we can, all of us can, be reconciled to God because of the work of Jesus. And then he goes on to say, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, here he gives us a message to take, but he also gives us a title now, a job. Our title is ambassador. We are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador takes the message from his leader, and he goes and lives in another place amongst people that are not his people, and he represents his king. Our case, we have King Jesus, and he has put us here, and we are supposed to give that same message. His message is to be reconciled to God. That is our job. Now, if you're a person that sits out there like me, I sometimes have to think, well, why would he want to send us, people who, I'm assuming most of you do not have seminary degrees, instead of sending these guys who are professionals with seminary degrees? doesn't make any sense to me. But as I thought about it more, I started to realize that, that here's the thing. The reason why he, I think there's some reasons why he does that. He does it because when they go to work, they come here. When we go to work, we go out there. We go out there where the unreconciled live and work and play. The unreconciled who God loves. And so he wants us to go. So it, uh, it, it is, we're the ones that are actually in contact. So, now, and the other thing, uh, the part about the no seminary degree, which I don't have, but he's still sending me, because really you do not need to be a theologian to deliver this message. You do not be, if, if you know enough to believe the gospel, you really know enough to share the gospel. So, even though we know that it's true, it's still... If we think about it, this whole ambassadorship concept probably scares us a little, does me. Because I, I was thinking, like, yeah, I didn't have to be, I, I feel like I am totally unprepared for, for my ambassador assignment. But, and you, you might feel the same way. And, and the thing is, is I, I feel safe in here with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But out there, the reason why I get nervous is out there, some of the unreconciled, are pretty hostile to our message. And uh, Paul, it helps me a little bit to understand that Paul, though, also felt that same way. 
And he wrote another letter to the, uh, to the church in Corinth. This was a, a prior one. This is 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he said, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. And I, when I came, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's a pretty simple message. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This, this helps me. It helps me, to, like I said, to know that when Paul received his ambassadorship, he was also pretty nervous. And, and you think about it, he was sent to a, to a place and to a people that were significantly more hostile than where we were sent. So we've got a, actually a much better place to start. Okay, let's go back to the Ephesians 4, the first one that we were, the place where we started back in then. And let's uh, go, and remember he's telling us where their, their job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by the wind of doctrine and human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. It's interesting that when we first become Christians, we really are like children when we're brand new Christians. But God doesn't want us to stay that way. He wants us to grow and mature and to change, just like you parents want your kids to grow and mature and change. You know, I, I've often heard parents, if this is your first, if all of you just only have one kid and your kid's a baby, I often hear like new parents say things like, but they're perfect the way they are. I never want them to change. Yeah, you do. You know, because they might be cute and perfect right now, but if you're seven years from now, they're still exactly the same we are. Imagine that. You're not going to be all that excited about this job anymore. You want them to change, and God wants you to change. And one thing I want to tell, if you, if you, you just have one kid, something that's, as someone who's had several and, is, and they've grown up, each phase of your kid's development is better and more fun than the phase before. Yeah, you keep looking forward to that, because they actually keep getting better. The possible exception to that rule is when the junior high years... Because I'm telling you, when they're in, you're begging them not to stay the same. You want them to get out of that. And, but they do. They, and then they come back. And they grow up and they turn into real persons. And, and, and you, become, you become friends with these people. And you value and cherish their friendship. And that's, and that's the stage where we're at right now. And I love it. So that's just something for you all to look forward to. Um, now, God wants us to, to change, too. We're brand new Christians. He doesn't want us to stay that way. We see in Scripture several times where Paul actually chastises people for not growing, because we do have a responsibility in this. Um, Paul, to the people at Corinth, was chewing them out, saying that you're still like babies. He says, I'm still giving you milk, and you should be eating solid food by now. 
And the writer of Hebrews did the same thing. He told them, he said, um, by now you ought to be teachers of the word. And still you need someone to teach you the elementary principles. So we have a responsibility in this. We have great teachers here who want to equip us and all that. But we need to put in some time for ourselves and, and, and to study and to grow in the Lord. And this is true. we know this is true because otherwise he wouldn't be scolding them for not changing. The, so the reason why we want to know that too is so that we're going to be less influenced by change and weird doctrine. Like if, you're, if you don't know the scripture very well and someone says to you, well, the Bible says God helps those that help themselves. You wouldn't know to go, no, it doesn't. And it doesn't. Or, yea, verily, God wants you to be happy. You might wish it said that, but it doesn't. But you're, you're not going to know that unless you're in the Word. Now, I know that some of you are out there going, it does say that somewhere. I'm going to go home and find it. I'd start looking, if you're going to do that, start looking in like second hesitations. <laughs> or, or maybe Omiomaya, one of those places where you usually find this weird stuff like that. Um... But what does he want? He wants us to grow to maturity and the fullness of Christ so that we aren't fooled by the counterfeits. And there is, I think, a belief that we have when we're young, immature Christians, that, and I think all of us go through this, that, uh, and I think this belief tends to stunt our growth in the Lord until we can finally get to the point where we go, oh, that isn't true. And I went through this, and, I, and uh, there was a book that helped me kind of get over this concept. And what the book is, how many of you remember the book, The Purpose Driven Life, by a pastor named, what was his name? Rick Warren, yeah, so he wrote this book. I really remember nothing of that book, except for one thing. I really don't, I have no idea what it says. But I truly believe that if you went out and bought that book today, and you went to the first chapter, and you read the very first sentence of the first chapter, and then close the book, and you spend the rest of your Christian life trying to come to grips with what he says in that first sentence, it will be significantly worth more than the price you paid for the book. So, I highly recommend it. Go out and get the book. You're going to love it. It's, it's amazing. Okay, no, I'm going to tell you. Chapter 1, first sentence, says, it's not about you. That's all it says. It's not about you. And if you can spend, it's just a struggle with that concept. It's not about you. Because when we're new Christians, and, and we kids are this way, you know, all of you, you've got parents, you know, your little kid thinks he's the center of the universe, and everything revolves around him. And we all start off thinking this way. Sadly, I know some adults that still think this way, that, that I'm the center of the universe, and all y'all are just planets that revolve around me. And we look at the world and we judge everything that happens by how it affects us or doesn't affect us. Volcano in Ecuador, doesn't affect me. But I break my key off in my ignition, oh my gosh, why are these things happening to me? We're the center of the universe. And, and it's kind of natural to think that, one, it's natural because we're sinners anyway. But we talk, when we first become Christians, I, I talked of my salvation that Jesus died for my sins. And he did that because he loves me. And all of that is true. But my salvation and your salvation 
was not the end goal of God's plan and God's work. He saved us so that we can become a part of his plan of reconciling the world to himself. We have been saved for his purpose, not our own. Now, um, we, in Ephesians chapter 2, we read a couple of chapters back. In verse 10, we read, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And there's another often misquoted verse in Romans, Romans 8.28. And a lot of times we ask people, what's it say in Romans 8.28? They said, all things work together for good. Well, that's part of what it says. It says, and, and I'm quoting from New American Standard here, it says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. It, if you're around red, redemption, any of the redemption churches are very long, you're going to see people walk around with t-shirts that say, all of life is all for Jesus. That's kind of our theme. And that's really what we're talking about here. That's what these guys are talking about, that, that all of life is all about Jesus. We have the privilege of being a part of his plan. Jesus saved you and he saved me so that we can now participate with him in completing that plan of reconciling the world to himself. Now, all of that's just the introduction. But a very long introduction to, but we only have two verses, so it's a short thing. But uh, he, he, like we were saying before, we're going to go to now, our passages today were 15 and 16, which they read this morning. And uh, But first, again, let's remember he's saying, he's telling us that um, we don't want to remain as children because of all those uh, things that hold us back. But rather, he says, instead of remaining as children, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, again, it's important to understand that we need to take some responsibility for this. As, as fathers, and I'm saying fathers because today's Father's Day, as parents, we really want to teach our children to take responsibility. We remember our goal as parents we're not raising children. We're raising adults. They just happen to be children. Now, we have to, we, they started as children. We want to raise adults. We want to raise adults that are able to contribute to society and not detract from society. So as you're raising your kids, teach them responsibility before you teach them about rights. Now, God has, like I said, has blessed us with some great teaching pastors. But again, you must take responsibility. You need to spend some time. You need to read the Word. You need to learn how to feed yourself from the Word of God. You need to pray. Pray for these guys. Pray for our church. Pray for our group project as ambassadors. See, really, all we come here, these are just ambassador meetings every Sunday. You all come here to meet with your other ambassadors, and we talk about how we can do what we do better. And then we go out there to do it. Pray. Pray about these things. And, and if you're, if, even in the study of the word, if you're not really sure how to get started and do that kind of stuff, talk to our pros up here. They're here to equip you. They want to do that kind of stuff. They love equipping us. Now, 
You know, Paul says, again, rather speaking the truth and love, we're to grow up to him who is head in the Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. This makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That was the passage we read this morning. Paul often compares the church to a human body. And he's doing that again, and he's highlighting that. And he's highlighting how we need to, to have unity. We need to be working together. We need to be responsible to do our part in making the whole body function properly. Now the problem is, is when we're in a church where we see lots of good things happening and people, things are progressing, it's easy for us to sometimes sit back and go, you know things are going pretty smoothly without me right now. Maybe I'll just sit here on the side. I'll be here available if God needs me. I'm right here. But I can let other people do what this, what's going on. And I can just cruise along with it. And that's really a dangerous way of thinking. You know, if we continue in this metaphor of the body, what do we call a group of cells that isn't doing what the rest of the body is doing? That maybe goes off and does its own. What do we call it? It's a cancer. Don't be a cancer. Let's get on board and, and go with this. And, and the other thing is, is that sometimes we can kid ourselves into thinking that we're doing and being a part of something without really being a part of it. Like I had a friend many years ago, I was at a different church, and uh, this guy was uh, in my adult Sunday school class, and he goes, you know what? He says, the way I look at it, I come here every Sunday, I tithe my 10%, and I think he occasionally volunteered in the nursery or something like that. And he says, I really think that I'm doing everything that God has for me. And so because I'm doing that part, I really have the rest of my life to do whatever I want with as long as I'm not sinning too much. Totally flies in the face of all of life is all for Jesus, doesn't it? All of life was all for him and this portion of it was for Jesus. And I think when we we uh, start off as new and immature Christians, I think that's something that we all kind of go through. We, we, we start off and we, we, try to, we try to make Jesus a bigger and bigger part of our lives. When the scripture says, Jesus himself said, that we are to lay down our life. We're to sacrifice our life and spend the rest of it because he has saved us working toward this goal. And, and, and let's look at, um, we're going to go to back to 2 Corinthians 5 again, but this time verses 14 and 15. And this time I'm going to be quoting again from the New American Standard. And it says in there, For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So that's us. That's those who have been reconciled with God. He died on our behalf, and he says that we should no longer live for ourselves, but now for him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Okay, so where do we start? What is God calling me to do? Well, there was another teacher, author, pastor, that wrote another book several years ago called 
experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God, and then his name was Henry Blackaby. Did anybody remember him? Because if you're about my age or close to it, you know that about 20 years ago, this book was and study was all the rage in the Christian community. But Blackaby says that we start off asking the question, what is God's will for my life? You probably need to ask that yourself. I know I did. What is God's will for my life? And Blackaby says that's an, imp that's an improper question. He says the proper question we should ask is what is God's will? Changes everything. Because it's not about me. It's about God. And if God is doing something, then I need to know what is his will? And Blackaby suggests that the way we should go about doing this is we should look around us and we should see where God is already working and then we can join him in his work. I love that idea. You know, because I used to overthink this thing a lot, so I love that idea. Find out where he's working and join him in his work. And God is working in so many areas. And, and thus, those of us at Tempe Redemption are really blessed because God is doing so many things here and things that probably most of you, me included, I just found out some new stuff recently, don't even know about. So if you would like to start getting started and looking where God has worked, I highly recommend that you take our next class called DNA. DNA is taught by John, who was here last week, and Will. And uh, this thing is actually five weeks long. It's, it's on Sunday mornings, but it's five weeks long. And the next time it starts on July 15th. And if you attend that, you'll be able to learn a lot about the church and learn a lot about what God is doing through this church and through the people. And then what you do is you look at, see if there's something that you have a passion for, an interest, and then join him in his work. Uh, also, I recommend, like if some of you have been around here a long time, take the class, because I bet you're going to find even ministries that you didn't know that were happening in this church that you might want to become a part of. Come see where God is working. Okay, we want to end this morning then. I want to end with a quote from, are, are you guys still, anybody, are you still following around in this study guide, our Ephesians study guide? We went through, the first one went through, the first three chapters were in chapter four, so this is the second edition. If you aren't, you should be, and I highly recommend that you get started again. It's for sale in the lobby when you leave. But in there, there's a quote by a guy named Jay, uh, Jay Lingen Duncan. If my name was Lingen, I wouldn't use the first initial J. I would go with whatever J stood for. But he doesn't. He goes J. Lingen Duncan. And, and he says, Paul is very concerned that the whole body mature. Why? Because the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. You are God's plan for witnessing to his reign and rule in the world. You are God's plan to what's happening in this crazy culture. You are the plan. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that you give us the privilege of becoming a part of your plan, that you give us the privilege of participating with you in your work. I thank you that, that we have a church that is, that is filled with a lot of people who are working, but I pray that you... You call others to the ministry. Call others. Teach us, equip us to go out and to bring this message of reconciliation to your people. Glorify yourself through us. And thank you that 
for all that you've done. Thank you for the ways that you sustain us and grow us. I pray that, that your Holy Spirit will empower us and give us direction and insight and that we will see this world changed because of what you do through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.